0: In December 2012, a 51-year-old woman named Sharice Walker Bingham was walking her two German Shepherd dogs on a pedestrian path along the White River in Indianapolis, Indiana, when she was tragically shot to death. There she was, lying face down on the ground as the blood stained the concrete path and her two dogs fiercely guarded her body, dying from a gunshot wound to her chest, shot from her own gun. I'm your host, Nisa. Welcome to the Lost Crimes Library podcast. This is the curiously tragic death of Sharice Walker-Bingham, part one. Charisse Walker Bingham was 51 years old at the time of her murder. She was a wife, a dog mom, and a career woman living in Indianapolis, Indiana. Charisse was an intellectual, holding several degrees, and she was also athletic, too. In high school, she was considered a popular student-athlete. Charisse was also a woman of faith, attending church often. Before her death, Charisse had become a member of the New Haven Missionary Baptist Church and had grown close to other members there. Those who knew her well knew her as a helpful person, a generous person, someone you could count on. Charisse's brother, Keith Walker, said that Charisse was always helping others, like when her mother fell ill, and she frequently offered support to many family members in their times of need. Charisse, also known as Recy by those closest to her, was one of those women who turned heads when she walked into a room, and one day she turned the head of Eugene Bingham Jr. Charisse met her husband Eugene when she was in her late twenties, and they were married for 28 years before her death. But after almost three decades together, their union seemed to drift apart. According to some family members, if something was amiss in the couple's marriage, it wasn't ever made known to them. However, the family did start to notice that Charisse and Eugene were basically living separate lives. Charisse's aunt Deborah McMurray claims, quote, after they had been married for years she would say that he had his own room downstairs, and that that's where he would be. And she would be upstairs running the house. Her dogs, going to work, whatever. But he would always be in that room down there. End quote. Charisse and Eugene did not have any children of their own. However, Charisse had two fur babies, two German shepherds named Mayday and Tsunami. From a young age, Charisse had this uncanny ability to train German shepherds. At around age nine or ten, Charisse had a German Shepherd named Cruiser who would do just about everything with her, and this was very much the same way that her two dogs in 2012 behaved with her. Her dogs were very protective of her and would guard her in a way that made it difficult for anybody to get too close to her personal space, and the only person that the dogs were comfortable with coming close to Charisse was her husband Eugene. The night of Charisse's death, Charisse decided to take her two dogs on a walk along one of her favorite spots in Indianapolis. Meanwhile, Eugene was down in the basement doing his own thing. That night, it is believed that Charisse took her handgun with her for protection. I'm sure as a woman, a black woman at that, having that sort of protection along with her dogs made her feel a lot safer walking at night. Unfortunately, despite all of this, as she ventured out into the dark winter night, her tragic fate became sealed. Charisse's body was found by a cyclist passing by. She was found lying face down on blood-stained concrete as her two large dogs ferociously guarded her body. The dogs weren't leashed, and they were aggressive toward any person who tried to come near Sharice. A police officer remembered that the dogs were, quote, circling the body and being aggressive towards anyone who was circling the body, end quote. When medics and law enforcement arrived, they weren't able to access Sharice's body to check for signs of life because of how protective her German shepherds were. So Indianapolis Animal Care was eventually called to the scene to help law enforcement get the two dogs out of the way and in a safe place. Sadly, to do this, they had to tranquilize the dogs before removing them from the trail, from Sharice. Eventually, the dogs were taken away from the body, and medical personnel were able to check her body for signs of life. But they soon realized that Sharice was deceased. When medics rolled Sharice onto her back, they saw blood on her face. But according to court records at the time, they couldn't figure out what was causing the bleeding because they couldn't even tell what her injuries were. It's not entirely clear why they didn't know where the bleeding was coming from. It's possible she was wearing layers of clothing due to it being winter in Indiana, and so medics just couldn't see because of this. Emergency medical personnel noticed that next to her body was her own twenty-five caliber handgun, along with her flip cell phone showing low battery, a driver's license, an Indiana firearms carrying permit, and a pair of black winter gloves. Because of the placement of her phone, police later believed that at some point Sharice may have tried to use her phone to call for help before she died. Because this clearly seemed like a crime scene, emergency medics decided not to disturb the body any further until the appropriate authorities arrived to examine the scene, so they left Sharice's body there lying on her back. At around 8.30 p.m., detectives from the Indiana State Police Department made it to the trail. When detectives arrived, they first took note of the body. They noticed Cherise lying in blood and this white, foamy substance coming from her mouth. Then they started canvassing the area, looking for eyewitnesses to interview. But unfortunately, there were none. And although there were lights along the trail, it was actually relatively dark in the specific area where Cherise was walking. This was just another indication to police that the chances of finding a witness who saw the actual crime take place was slim. Next, Indiana State Police tried to piece together how Sharice got there. They learned that Sharice did not live too far away from the White River Trail. Although she did not live downtown where the path is located, she lived about eight minutes from the trail by car. In fact, police actually found her Ford Explorer parked nearby. The parkway and the trail are located parallel to one another. With the White River in between, so to get from the parking spot to the trail, Charisse would have had to walk across the New York Street Bridge, which takes about five to six minutes. Just before eleven p.m., detectives were preparing to make that heartbreaking trip to Charisse's home to deliver the bad news to her family. However, before they could even do this, a man in a pickup truck pulled up to the parking lot where Charisse's car was found. This man told police that he was looking for his wife and that his name was Eugene Bingham Jr. He told police that he was worried about his wife because she never came home from walking their dogs. After police told Eugene the bad news, they immediately asked if Eugene could help them trace Sharice's last movements that night. Eugene told detectives that the last time he saw Sharice was when she left their house to take their two dogs, Mayday and Tsunami, on a walk around 7.30 p.m. He said he decided to stay home and ended up dozing off while watching a basketball game on TV. But when he woke up around two hours later, he realized that Cherise still hadn't come home yet. This struck Eugene as unusual because she should have been home getting ready for work. You see, Cherise was scheduled to work an overnight shift at the PepsiCo Gatorade plant, and she was supposed to clock in by 10.30pm. Worried about his wife, Eugene said he tried calling Cherise first but she didn't answer every time. Because of this, he decided to finally leave the house and check on her. He told police that he went to check three spots where they typically walk the dogs, and White River Trail was his last spot to check. Right away, Eugene's story seemed sketchy to investigators. And it's not really what he said that intrigued detectives, but rather the time frame for when he said all of these things happened. It's important to note that Sharisa's body was first found by a cyclist passing by at 6.40 p.m., and Charisse was officially declared dead by authorities at 7.15 p.m. This means that there is no way that Charisse could have left their home at 7.30 p.m., as Eugene said. The question for authorities was, is Eugene lying or is he simply confused by the timeline because he just learned his wife is dead? In the early stages of the investigation, based on everything found at the scene, police were under the impression that Charisse shot herself. The main reason for this initial theory was that Cherise had her two dogs, Mayday and Tsunami, who were fiercely protective of her. If someone tried to attack her, it just wouldn't happen because those two big dogs would have fended them off. Also, if you remember, police found Charisse's gun next to her body. Why would a killer leave the murder weapon at a crime scene? And there are such things as dumb criminals, but to police, this just wasn't one of those times. To police, all of this just didn't line up. So this made a robbery or assaults a very unlikely motive. Instead, they figured maybe Sharice committed suicide. However, this theory didn't hold up for long. During the investigation, police learned that Sharice left her dogs like they were her own children. So if she wanted to kill herself, why would she take her dogs, go to a public park, and pull the trigger, knowing her dogs would be left out there all alone and not tucked away safely like in her car? Not to mention, Charisse packed snacks and dressed in layers, all signs that she was planning to enjoy the walk with her dogs. In addition, Eugene told police that there was just no way Charisse would commit suicide. So quickly, detectives scrapped this theory. When Eugene sat down with police for a formal interview, he told police about Charisse, saying she was a routine person, and up until Charisse didn't return home, that night was like any other night. So if she was planning to kill herself, there definitely weren't any obvious signs, which we know isn't always an indication that someone isn't contemplating suicide, but investigators take this into account nonetheless. What I find really interesting is that during this interview, Eugene changed his timeline for the events the night Sharice was murdered. You may be thinking that he told police that Sharice left earlier than he initially said, you know, to make it line up with what police already know. However, Eugene actually told them that Charisse left the house even later, at 7.45pm, and he told police that he was positive that this was the time she left, because he remembered her leaving around tip-off during that basketball game he was watching. According to Eugene, before Charisse left, he asked where she was going, to which she replied, quote, wherever my car takes me, end quote. Which I find personally odd, given how he described her as this routine person. Those types of people don't tend to project themselves as mysterious or spontaneous. But anyway, Eugene went on to tell detectives that his and Sharice's 28th wedding anniversary was approaching soon. He told detectives that the night before she died, they were joking about their anniversary, that after being married for so long, this date was just any other day. However, he told Sharice that if she wanted to celebrate, he would take her out. According to Eugene, this was just a playful argument. Obviously. Detectives were interested in the days leading up to Sharice's death, but an anonymous tip came in to state police on the same day that they interviewed Eugene, that sparked their interest even more. This anonymous tipster called in saying that Eugene had been having an affair, an affair that lasted 14 years, basically half of his marriage. When detectives started asking about this alleged affair, Eugene played it down saying it was a fling that ended four years ago when Cherise found out. He claimed that they worked through it and decided to stay committed to Cherise. When police pushed him further about the affair, Eugene admitted that the affair was actually pretty serious, and that it was actually still happening. He told police that he hooked up with this other woman, his longtime girlfriend, as recently as November. So obviously the police asked Eugene for this woman's information. But Eugene was reluctant he told police that he wanted to talk to his girlfriend first before giving them her information. This was obviously incredibly sketchy to police, but eventually Eugene gave over the information to police and even let police look through his phone and screenshot recent text messages. And when asked if he deleted anything that they should know about, Eugene told police no. They also asked Eugene not to delete any information from his phone. While this was happening, the coroner's office had performed the autopsy of Sharice's body. They came to the conclusion that Sharice's cause of death was a gunshot to the right side of her chest. We know that Sharice owned a 25 caliber handgun, and it was found at the scene, so this isn't really shocking. However, they learned from Eugene that the handgun Sharice owned was actually previously owned by her husband. This was all before he went out to buy a new handgun that was actually the same type as the one he used to own which now belonged to Sharice. So they had identical guns, and in the interview with detectives, Eugene told police that it was his job to clean both of the guns, which means he handled Sharice's gun on a regular basis. After interviewing Eugene, detectives wanted to get a new perspective on Sharice, a fresh idea of who she was from someone other than her husband. So they interviewed her family and friends, even her pastor. Her family knew Sharice as this generous, hard-working woman with great sense of style. Her family told detectives that Sharice was actually kind of shy and tended to keep to herself. And although she didn't have many close friends, she definitely wasn't the type to make enemies. That's why the nature of her death came as such a shock. Her family insisted that Sharice would never kill herself. Of course, this doesn't mean that Sharice wasn't contemplating it because we know that often people who commit suicide aren't open about that decision with their loved ones. However, one thing that was curious to police and her family was that Charisse always carried her handgun with her in a pouch. However, the pouch was nowhere to be found on her body, or at the scene of the crime. Instead, it was left back at home. Her family also found it strange that Charisse took her gun with her that night, because usually she never took her gun when she had her dogs there to protect her. You may be wondering what happened to the dogs after they were taken into care. Well, after they were tranquilized, one of the dogs was taken to an animal hospital for some reason. Apparently, the dogs were regurgitating blood, presumably Sharice's blood from the scene. However, this isn't 100% confirmed, but rather just a confident assumption from police. They didn't believe that the dogs got into a fight with some perpetrator that night. Mostly because when they checked local hospitals to see if anyone came in for a dog bite, There were no reports for dog bite injuries. The next day after the murder, Eugene came to claim Mayday and Tsunami from the shelter. However, he didn't take them home that day because the dogs were put on hold by police as evidence. That afternoon, investigators visited the kennel to take the dogs' collars as evidence, and then the dogs were released. But what is really interesting is that a woman called the shelter on December 14th, a couple days after Sharice's murder, to ask about the dogs and see if she could adopt them according to animal care records. According to this woman, she was a childhood friend of Sharice, and she told the shelter worker that she, quote, just found out as of today that Sharice was killed by her husband, end quote. At this point, some people close to Sharice, even family members, were thinking that Eugene was involved in her death, but this isn't necessarily strange because, after all, Eugene was her husband and the last person to see her alive. However, this wasn't the only reason why they thought Eugene was involved. Charisse had been spending way more time with her family in the weeks leading up to her death, and according to Charisse's aunt Deborah, Charisse had recently opened up about issues in her marriage. It got to the point where Charisse was calling Deborah every day, talking for hours about these issues. In these phone calls, Charisse told her aunt that Eugene was keeping secrets. According to Deborah, the first issue to come up Was that Sharice discovered that Eugene had lost his job? Eugene had been working two jobs, one at the Indianapolis Water Company, and the other was a part time job at UPS. And apparently, Eugene and his girlfriend both worked at UPS, and that was how they met. Eugene ended up losing his job at the water company when he was required to complete a drug test during ownership changes. However, he couldn't pass the drug test. I'm not certain if Eugene quit his job or he was fired, but By winter 2012, Eugene was no longer working this job. It turned out that Eugene never told his wife, Charisse, about his loss of employment, but at some point, Charisse found a document that referenced Eugene's unemployment, and his first secret was out. According to Deborah, there would be another secret that Charisse discovered about Eugene before her death. She said that Charisse found out about property Eugene and his girlfriend owned together. At this point, Eugene has retired from UPS and lost his job at the Indianapolis Water Company. Yet, every day, he leaves their home, acting as if everything is normal, as if he's off to work for the day. And on top of all of this, Charisse has now discovered property owned by her husband and some random woman. According to Deborah, before Charisse's death, Charisse very much knew about Eugene's affair. She even said that Charisse had plans to leave Eugene, to the point that Charisse even pawned her ring. I want to mention that it's not clear when Sharice found out about this affair, if it was days, weeks, months, or even years before her death. It's possible she knew years prior and thought the affair had ended but it didn't. Or it's possible that she found out only days or weeks or months before her death. But we just don't know. We don't even know if Sharice ever had the chance to confront her husband about his affair because we only have Eugene's side of the story. What's chilling is that the affair and all those secrets weren't the only things that haunted Charisse before her death. Apparently, Charisse was telling other people in her life that she felt like she was in danger. According to some family members, Charisse told them that she felt unsafe and that someone was following her. She also told her Aunt Deborah that she thought someone driving a blue blazer with dark tinted windows was following her around. Detectives did follow up on this mysterious car, but it didn't turn up any leads. After detectives interviewed family and friends and tried to get a feel for the last weeks and days leading up to Charisse's life, Eugene held a homegoing service for Charisse at the church she recently joined before her death, New Haven Missionary Baptist Church. And although Eugene felt no connection to this church, he knew Charisse would have wanted to have the service there. You see, Charisse would always attend Sunday church services on her own. Her pastor and other members of the church didn't even know Charisse had a husband until she died. On December 22nd, one day before Charisse's 52nd birthday, the church was filled with family members and friends who wanted to say their last goodbyes. The pews were also filled with plainclothes officers there to see everyone who showed up as well as those who didn't. They also wanted to know any strange behavior that may surface during the service. According to Charisse's family, Eugene went all out for the service, buying new jewelry for Charisse to wear filling the program with photos of Charisse and Eugene, photos of their dogs, and photos of Charisse as a kid. There was even a personal message in the program that stated how much Eugene loved Charisse and missed her. Eugene even acquired a joint burial plot. From the outside looking in, it seemed like Eugene was a devoted, grieving husband. However, his behavior at the funeral didn't match these acts of devotion. His behavior at Charisse's funeral actually raised suspicion, and although not everyone mourns the same, Those close to Charisse marked Eugene's behavior as odd. Charisse's pastor said he was unsettled by Eugene's response and body language. He remembered Eugene showing no emotion, like he wasn't even there, from the moment that they made plans for Charisse's homegoing to the moment they put her in the ground. At the service, Eugene was isolated. In the front pew, Eugene sat at one end while Charisse's closest relatives sat at the other with this large space between them. But it's not just Cherise's pastor that felt this way about Eugene's strange behavior. Cherise's sister in law, Linda, even remembered other guests coming up to her and commenting on Eugene's odd demeanor. After Cherise's service and burial, detectives were pretty sure that Cherise did not intentionally shoot herself, but they weren't yet able to label the case as a homicide. They still had to consider the option that Cherise died from a tragic accident. And it appeared that Eugene was on board with this theory because he called detectives on Christmas Eve to let them know that he found Charisse's gun pouch at their home. This is the pouch that she always carried with her, but was never found at the scene. Eugene explained to police that he believed Sharice simply took the gun with her, without the pouch, and instead carried the gun in her coverall pockets. He explained that these coveralls were actually Eugene's and that the hip pocket had holes in them so Charisse would have had to carry the gun in the breast pocket. And because she was right-handed, he thought that Charisse kept the gun in the right breast pocket. He told police that he was sure Charisse's death was just an accident because of a previous incident that happened at a shooting range. Eugene told police that on a recent trip to the shooting range that Eugene and Charisse took together, Charisse's gun had jammed. He said he wasn't sure if Charisse ever frequently checked to ensure that the safety was on. He also said that Cherise had mentioned that she wanted to carry her gun loaded and ready to fire, but he warned her not to do that because it could be very dangerous. To take things further, he even told police that Cherise was accident prone, so something like Cherise mishandling her gun and killing herself could be possible. Everything that Eugene had to say about Cherise's death being an accident could be plausible, even to police, but when police looked at the full picture, including Eugene's timeline of events, his weak alibi, and his years-long affair, they had to consider that Eugene could have been involved and that this wasn't simply an accident. About a month after Sharice's death, Eugene was asked by police to take a polygraph, and he agreed. But first, they had to conduct a pre-polygraph interview. In this interview, Eugene gave the same timeline of events as before, nothing changes there. But he also talked about the dogs. He told police that there was no way that anyone could have attacked Charisse without getting mauled by Mayday and tsunami. It's important to note that the coroner already told Eugene that the bullet used in the shooting was recovered during Charisse's autopsy. So Eugene was under the impression that police already matched the bullet to her gun. However, at this point, police are only confident that the firearm from the scene was Charisse's gun. But they didn't have any official lab reports that tied that gun to the rifling marks found on the bullet found in Charisse. So Eugene was sure that Cherise did not intentionally shoot herself, and that the dogs would have fought furiously to protect Cherise from a stranger trying to attack her, but he couldn't think of anyone who would want to kill her. When the polygraph examiner asked Eugene what he thought happened that night, Eugene said he had a theory that he thought would explain everything. In the pre-polygraph interview, Eugene told authorities that he believed it was possible that Mayday and Tsunami accidentally shot Charisse. He explained that he thought maybe Cherise had the gun in the breast pocket of the coveralls, the safety wasn't on, and it had a round in the chamber, and that one of the dogs jumped on her and caused the gun to fire. Although this idea seems far-fetched, no pun intended, it's actually possible for a dog to shoot their owner, even though it's not a common occurrence. Along with this theory, Eugene offered another one. He said that maybe Cherise slipped and fell on some ice, causing the gun to fire. But every theory he offered seemed to revolve around Sharice's death being a tragic accident. In this interview, Eugene also talked about how much he missed Sharice and how he was kind of shocked that he missed her so much, which sounds to me a lot like he was saying he thought he wouldn't miss her when she was dead. But investigators didn't take this comment as a confession, even though it did strike them as an odd thing to say. During investigations, detectives learned that Sharice had two life insurance policies. Combined, they were worth nearly half a million dollars. She had a policy from Allstate for $200,000 and a policy from Protective Life for $250,000. And this information shocked those close to Charisse because it never appeared like Charisse and Eugene were struggling financially. But it also wasn't like they were insanely well off. And without kids, this really seemed like a lot of insurance money of which Eugene was the sole beneficiary. What's interesting is that Eugene knew that all of this looked bad for him. He knew that the life insurance policy and everything else was starting to cast a very suspicious light on him. One of the last things he said in his pre-polygraph interview was that he wished he could have been with Sharice that night, but he never elaborated. In the actual polygraph interview, the polygraph examiner asked Eugene these three relevant questions. Number one, did you shoot Sharice? Number two, are you the one who shot Sharice? Number three, do you know for sure who shot Cherise? Eugene answered no to all of these questions. When the examiner analyzed the results of Eugene's polygraph, the results came back as inconclusive and very close to failure. They decided to get a second opinion, but the second examiner analyzed it too and also scored it as a near failure. They even checked the results a third time, using an electronic scoring system as a guide, and that system scored his test as a failure. But ultimately, the test was deemed inconclusive. However, Eugene maintained that he did not kill his wife and didn't know who did. He even told police that he was willing to take another polygraph to prove it. When Eugene showed up for round two of polygraph testing in another pre-test interview, none of his theories changed. He still believed that Sharice's death was an accident. He even pinned it on the male dog Mayday for accidentally killing Sharice. However, Keith, Sharice's brother, described the two dogs as very responsive to Cherise's commands and generally well-behaved, which would conflict with the idea that Mayday was this rambunctious dog capable of killing his owner. In this 2nd pretest interview, the topic of Eugene's girlfriend was brought up. Eugene said that he and his girlfriend were business partners and that one thing led to another and that's how they ended up having an affair. It's possible that whatever business partnership he referenced had something to do with those properties mentioned earlier in the episode He told police that he and his girlfriend continued to do business together, even after Sharice found out about the affair, and that they kept having sex from time to time too. But he was sure that Sharice wasn't aware of their continued romantic relationship, that she believed it had ended. However, Sharice's aunt Deborah said that Sharice absolutely knew about their continued romantic relationship. In this same interview, the examiner asked Eugene about the life insurance policies as well, but Eugene insisted that he didn't need the money. He also suggested that $450,000 wasn't a lot of money, and therefore not enough of a motive to kill. He argued that after the funeral expenses and everything, he only had $75,000 left. He told police that her funeral was over $75,000, but they later found out that he was lying about this because the funeral was actually around $22,000. When it was time for Eugene's second polygraph test, it turned out a lot like the first one. They asked the same questions, along with, did he participate in the shooting? And again, he answered no to all the questions. And again, the results were inconclusive, close to failure. Now, these results aren't admissible in court, but they are still helpful for police because it helped them narrow the focus of the investigation. Police determined that, while they were gathering evidence and analyzing records, they wanted to schedule a third polygraph test, but this time for Eugene's girlfriend. It was beginning to look a lot like Eugene Bingham Jr. may have killed his wife. Stay tuned for part two of the mysterious disappearance of Sharice Walker Bingham. In next week's episode, I will dive into the third polygraph test and the rest of the investigation into Sharice's death. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Lost Crimes Library podcast. Please follow and share the podcast. It will help bring much needed attention to these important cases. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at the LCL pod and on Instagram at the Lost Crimes Library pod. See you next week with a new episode.